Hey gang, welcome to Freedom Decoded. My name is Demir, this is Gary. This is a podcast where we let our hair down and talk about behind the scenes of our lifestyle design. If you don't know about us, we ditched the nine to five to create our freedom lifestyle and now we help other people do the same. Today, we're gonna be talking about our upcoming book launch, which is in roughly a week. We're launching our new book called Winning the Week on July the 12th. So today we're gonna to talk about the methodology behind the book, why we wrote a book when we almost swore that we would never and that we didn't need more books in the productivity space. So why now and why this book? We're gonna be going into all of that today. Carrie, let's get started. Talk to me about just more the logistics of like how long is this taken for anybody who's never written a book, they might not know. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the hardest part was just getting started with the book. I would say that from literal conception of ideas to publication date, we're talking about um, about two years. Um, but really, once we actually sat down and started writing the book, that was only about a year ago. Um, so we spent the whole of 2021 basically in the writing process and then the first half of 2022 in the publication process. Yeah, and we got helped with, um, we self-published through a publisher called Scribe Media. And tell me a little bit about that, because we had a decision-making process of whether to go with a publisher, we got inquiries from publishers and agents, but decided ultimately yeah. to self-publish. Why did we do that? Yeah, it's so hard to know, like, you know, make those key decisions about what direction to go. Again, that's all sort of just like pre-work before you even get started with the book. So, um, yeah, we talked to a ton of influencers and our friends in the space who have published books. And in fact, we tried to talk to people who have both self-published and published through a publisher. And overwhelmingly, the response was like, hey, you should self-publish um, mainly because you retain that creative control over the book and secondarily because you're able to publish it much faster. So um, rather than yes. having potentially two or three years that you're waiting for your book to come out, you know, you can publish on your own timeline like much, much, much faster than that. And we certainly were not interested in waiting years. <laughs> And, you know, one of the things that we really felt passionate about with this book was that it should have a online component where people, you know, because this is a practice, like, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the book and why we wrote it and the origin story, but it's a practical, you know, almost a practicum. It's a, it's a handbook that you should be using. And so we felt really passionate about driving them to an online course. And there, that could be really problematic with the publisher. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, I remember the, the second publisher we spoke with immediately started to change even the book title. And yeah. we were both on the call being like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like we can't change the title because then that changes our whole downstream sales funnel. And second of all, like it, it, it changes the philosophy of the book itself because yeah. we have this whole philosophy built around the title of the book. Uh, and that's why it's so important. And when you start bringing a publisher in, you really have to just give over the reins of some of those creative decisions. We're too much of control freaks to do that. We, I think very quickly, we spoke to a, a couple agents, a couple publishers and some friends who'd done both. And we were like, nah, it's gonna be self-published all the way. Mostly cause like we just had such a clear idea of what we wanted to write. Let me talk a little bit about the origin story. Cause I think it's so funny. Well, some of you may know, but many of you may not that I have railed for years that we don't need more books. In fact, one of our most popular YouTube videos online is stop reading more books on productivity and self-development <laughs> and, you know, read less and do more. And so here we are guilty, you know, like the, the people who are saying we don't need more books have actually written a book. I think it's important to realize a couple things. One is 
this is, we're going to round out to year 10 very soon of life hack method, right? Of this business. And people were telling us in year one, you got to write a book, you got to write a book. And so, you know, we held off for a long time until there was a topic that felt like we were looking around going, come on guys, like, why has nobody written about this? This is so fundamental. This is so important. And it's also been something that's really blossomed and almost like naturally ripened on the vine with our training. Um, one time, uh, uh, it, it's funny because I always get this at parties with clients. When you tell people you're a productivity coach, the first thing they say is, oh, really? Well, then what's the number one thing I need to be doing to be more productive? It's almost like a, a you're challenging something. You're daring them. And the truth is, is that when Carrie and I sat and we said, like, if there's only one thing that we could ever teach somebody, one thing, I, it's an interesting hypothetical, right? Like, what if you couldn't teach somebody your entire encyclopedia of tricks and, and tips? What if you couldn't take them through your whole methodology and you could only teach them one thing? What would it be? And Carrie, what was that thing? Pre-planning. It's pre-planning your week in advance consistently. That's the number one thing. And it, again, to your point about what people talk to us about at parties, I've never had somebody talk to me about their pre-planning practice at a party. I've had yeah. dozens of people talk to me about their lengthy morning routines. Yeah. Uh, that's that's usually <laughs> that habits and routines is the number one thing people want to talk to us about. Oh, Followed by me. technology apps and what apps we're using. Neither of those things really matters much at all. They don't hold the um, candle. They don't have those two things don't hold a candle to planning your week. I mean, and here's the funny thing in writing this book, a, a big genesis of this book and of this whole process was we went out and surveyed 5,000 people who managed between five and 50 employees or cross functionals. So successful people. And we asked them, what's the most important things that you need to do to win your week? Well, 94% of them said that planning your week was a key technique, a key thing you need to do to win the week. Okay. Anybody who's listening to this right now is nodding their head and saying, well, duh, of course you need to plan their week. Okay, now hold that thought then. We followed up with that same 5,000 people and we asked them, have you planned your week consistently for the last four weeks? Just to get a sense of like, okay, if it's so important, big shot, are you doing it consistently? Less than 1% of people were consistently planning their weeks. So here we have a case of something that is so obvious seemingly, so fundamental, so easy to do, and less than 1% of us are doing it. We, this is the genesis of our, uh, of our industry best webinar called Winning the Week. We, for years, have been teaching this methodology inside of a webinar format, and many, many people love that webinar. It's been super, super popular. But what's interesting is once people started putting that into practice and then coming in and coaching with us, we realized that there were tons and tons of sort of edge case scenarios and obstacles, mindsets that were keeping people. I mean, really there was many more layers to this onion. And so part of the reason we decided to take this like most popular topic that we deal with and expand it is just based on the experience of coaching people through this. And here's the thing, I could say this 100% religiously. This is the smallest thing you could do to get the biggest impact in your productivity. Hands down, I don't care if you're a CEO or a stay-at-home mom. This is the thing you need to be doing before you think about anything else. Yeah, and even if you don't have anything else, just doing this one thing is going to get you like 80 or 90% of the way there. So it's really, really cool. And um, our main goal for the book is that readers 
leave with a bulletproof process for planning their week consistently. So it's not just the theory and stories behind why it works. It's the actual tactics, the actual steps in minute detail for what to do to plan your week. Um, Plus, we have that online component. So anyone who buys the book is also going to get access to over 15 additional training videos and downloads and worksheets where they can take that what they learned in the book and really put it into practice. And that's completely free for anybody who buys the book. Um, So yeah, that's really our goal with launching this thing is um, for for people around the world to be like, yeah, this you know planning my week. It only it's only going to take me thirty minutes, and it's now something that I do consistently, and I'm having more productive, better, more relaxed weeks because of it. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, the fact that there's something that you could do that that ninety nine percent of us aren't doing consistently that takes less than 30 minutes that anybody can do that doesn't require a college degree or any advanced apps. It literally is just a simple process that takes less than 30 minutes and people aren't doing it. It's just such a huge, huge low hanging fruit that we aren't picking. Um, I, I have to I have to be honest, when we started teaching this, we kept thinking, well, there's what's the book that's been written about planning your week? I mean, there's Getting Things Done by, you know, David Allen. There's all these famous books on these like really fundamental concepts in productivity. And we were like, well, of course, we must be missing it. There's got to be like a fundamental, like the very best methodology around planning your week. And we were stunned. There really isn't. As obvious as this seems, nobody has really taken a crack at this. And this is something, again, that we've been teaching to our clients for 10 years. So this isn't something we thought up yesterday. It's something that we've workshopped with tens of thousands of our clients. That's one of the things I love most is that we've taken the time to master this concept and and coach tens of thousands of people in this concept so we actually know it works. One thing that bugs me about a lot of books that are written is that they're based on the author's personal experience. That's a sample size of one. So if you have a different lifestyle than the author or different workflow, or just you live in a different place even, then a lot of what they're saying might not apply to you. So that's what (sighs) I love about our book is like, hey, we've actually been workshopping this we do this for a living. Like we are actually coaching people in this. This is not like something we're writing on the side in addition to our day job. You know what bugs me? Now that's what bugs you. What bugs me is when an author, and actually some of my favorite books are this way. So even though it bugs me, I admit that I've I've followed authors who do this. When an author knows nothing about a topic and says, well, in the process of writing this book, I'll become an expert on this topic by talking to other experts and doing the research. I will admit there are a couple books that are written that style that I really love. But generally speaking, the thing about productivity is it is so counterintuitive. If you're listening to this and you want to know the craziest, weirdest thing about being a productivity coach, here it is. It's that the the productivity space is filled with things that seem so right, but aren't. Like concepts, tools, tricks where you think, this thing feels like it should make me so productive. But when you actually go work it, it doesn't or it has the opposite effect. And yet there's also other things that feel so wrong but actually work so well. 
And so that mismatch is the weirdest thing about being a productivity coach. The mismatch between things that feel so sexy in the productivity space, like a concept, like, you know, whatever you said, morning routines, morning routines, that's it. That's the thing that's going to crack my productivity wide open. And it really isn't. It really doesn't work like that. Now, I'm not, to, I'm not here to say that having a good morning routine isn't some kind of help or some kind of benefit, but it doesn't even hold a candle to something as fundamental as sitting down and planning your week ahead of time. And yet we get exactly 0% of people coming to us saying, Demir, help me get my pre-planning for my week dialed in, right? Like we actually have to introduce that concept to people and right. sell them on why it's so important. When they come to us, they're talking about, you know, I need to work on my sleep. I need to do a morning routine. I need to run five miles and then eat a green shake in the morning. Like all of these edge case, like, you know, 0.01% productivity meditating. kickers. Oh God. You know, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Carrie, oh, yeah. it's just, it's so frustrating that people can get so locked in on things that can make such a small difference in productivity, but then there's something as fundamental as planning your week. And they're like, oh, well, that's old school. But, that, wow. but that's also, it's our job, you know, it's our job right, to yeah. introduce that concept in a way that feels resonant to people, in a way that they can do it quickly and consistently and in a fun way every single week, you know, because professionals don't have time to figure this stuff out. I mean, we're literally productivity experts that are working these concepts every day. You know, of course, it seems obvious to us now. Um, but yeah, like that's, I mean, yeah. Um, quick Yo, oh, book plug, by the way, quick book plug. It's on sale right now for just 99 cents and it's only going to be 99 cents for a couple more days through the launch yes. window. So go and grab it, the, the Kindle version for 99 cents now. Plus we're making a free chapter available that you can download right away too. So make sure to snap those both up and read that free chapter if you just cannot wait until July 12th to get into the book. Ah, oh, I love that. I love that. You know, the best thing that I heard about this book from one of our early access readers um, was that somebody read the whole book and they put it down and they said, wow, I first started this book and I thought, wow, planning your week is so boring. But honestly, having shut the book, I feel like I never understood this topic. So you took something, Demir, that I thought I understood so much that I thought it was boring and made it so new, so sexy, so mind-blowing that I feel like I'm seeing it as if for the first time. And that is like the highest compliment that I could possibly get because that's exactly what we're looking to do. Almost like a great TED Talk, like gets you looking at a topic in a different way and you can never think about it the same way again. We're hoping that people who read this book get not just massively sold into the value proposition of planning your week, but almost create a completely new relationship and get fired up in a way that you haven't ever been about planning your week. Yes, yes, totally. So guys, winningtheweek.com, that's where you can get all the information about the book, all the information about the bonuses that are expiring too during the pre-order window and how to get it for that 99 cent price as well. Awesome. So Carrie, should we talk about some stories? I mean, cause just the journey of creating this has just been so funny and filled with like really interesting observations. Um, but then also we could talk about what's the methodology that's built into the book. Where, where should we go from here? Um, yeah, I mean, I'd love to do a couple quick stories and then get into an overview of the methodology. Cool. Well, I talked a little bit. I referenced this early access reader yeah. group. Can yeah. you tell them like, what was that? How did it, how was it good for them? How was it good for us? Like, what was the hack there? 
Oh, it was a huge hack. And so basically, um, you know, we were having trouble putting pen to paper, right? As many authors do. And you get paralyzed by this fear that what you're writing is something that people aren't going to want to read. Um, even though we've coached this concept and we know it inside and out, yada, 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 right? We still want to make sure that we're writing a book that people want to read. So what we did was we have access to this huge community of life hackers. And we put a call out there and we said, hey, we would love to get 50 people to be part of our early access reader book, reader group. And what that means is you're going to be getting spoon fed each chapter. So as we write it, like literally first draft is going to go to you. You're going to have a couple of weeks to turn around comments and feedback on it, general impressions, and then we're going to be reworking it. Um, so we had a tremendous response for people to do that. So thank you, early access readers. It really kept us personally motivated because, you know, we were promising chapters by certain dates to those that so early crucial. access. Yep. So crucial. I cannot understate, like there were times when we wouldn't have pushed ourselves to finish a chapter that we did because yeah. we had 50 people waiting for it. Yeah, it's like, hey, come on, we gotta stay on track here. That was really convenient. And another reason was it helped make sure that our tone and delivery in the book was gonna be suitable for the type of readers that we wanted to be reading the book. So um, a couple times, for example, some of our European readers caught us on some sports references that they were like, hey, this is not gonna go over well with a with an international audience. You know, yeah. and as Americans, like, we don't know. Like we're like, like, like you know, the we're term so slam deep. dunk. Like, right. uh, like we were like slam dunk, of course, it's, it's a basketball dunk, term. Yeah. And a lot of our readers were like, wait a minute. And, and now if you're in or Europe and you know what a slam references. dunk is. Yeah, we had baseball and basketball references and a lot of our European, you know, readers were like, I don't think I understand what that means. So right. it was like super helpful, even in, in choosing the topics of the chapters. There were chapters that we 86 because people were like, I think you already covered that in a different yeah. chapter where that feels like you're going down a different road. Um, it really helped in so many different ways, like mold the book. I mean, and I have to say again, thank you so much for everybody who was part of that group, if you were, because that absolutely, um, the book, the final book is really a huge product, not just of us, but being directed. I feel like those early access readers were another partner in reading the book. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of the feedback was just invaluable. Um, so that was that was a huge thing we did to keep us on track and so that we have a little bit more confidence going into launch day two that um, the people that we want to be reading the book do like the book. Um, so that's hopefully going to result in good book sales, good book reviews and that kind of thing. Loved it. Loved it. The other thing is like you turned us on to this scribe media self-publishing process. Um, give me a quick review. Like how did we enjoy it? Was it a good process? I particularly want to talk especially about the, I think they're uniquely good at demystifying and re removing the fear. They have like a really cool process for like, sort of like making it bite size. And all of a sudden you look up and you're like, oh, wow, I've already got an outline. Like, right. so talk to right. me a little bit about Scribe. Why did we choose them and how were they yeah. helpful? So, okay. So Scribe Media is a media company out of Austin. And when we were talking to our friends about self-publishing, this name came up a lot. So again, when more than three of our, you know, well-respected influencer friends recommend a company, we're like, all right, we should check it out. So um, I'm normally one to be like, no, we can do it ourselves. Like we don't need someone holding our hand. Uh, but in this particular case, I didn't want to like figure out how to upload stuff to Kindle and convert it to formats. Oh, and, God get the Audible thing published. So 
Um, for me, having them on our team has been really valuable for that. But what you're talking about is the actual writing process, which um, they actually, they wrote a book about writing a book, which I read and I was like, this is so genius because the really the only thing they do is they help business leaders like us publish nonfiction books. So that's really yeah. the only thing they do. They don't do fiction. They don't do children's books. They don't do any of those other genres. Um, it's just business leaders who want to publish nonfiction business book. And so we fit perfectly into their target market, um, which was great for us. And um, they really helped us step through the process of first writing the outline and then what to do to write each chapter. Because this is where you and I were sort of like going back and forth and like trying to like get our bearings and what you know what needs to be in I mean, the book. I, does, I, I does feel it... so stupid saying this, but I actually would have started with a blank sheet of paper and been like, right. you know, introduction and tried to figure out the book as I was writing it. And I feel so you dumb did. saying that because now no, it's No, you did do that. You started a chapter that we eventually scrapped completely because you just started writing. And that feels more intuitive to, to writers like you. Um, the outline approach feels more intuitive for writers like me, which so I was sort of happy with that. But of course, then I would be worried, like, is this sounding too robotic? Like, is this too much like a college essay? You know, so it was great having someone who's not only published a ton of books, but also published like, you know, New York Times bestselling books, give us advice on how to write the book. Yes. Yeah, and, so. and what ended up happening, I'm probably going to skip a couple steps here. But basically, step one is we did a almost just like a... a table of contents. Yep. And then we did a one page outline roughly for, for every single chapter. Yep. And then we took that outline and we recorded ourselves jamming. I'll just say the word jamming, like just flowing, talking, me and Carrie, just talking about the concept. Um, and then they had certain elements they wanted you to include, like an opener or a closer, some stories and stuff. And yep. then honestly, by that point, we were like, okay. Like once you've got all of that, we were like, okay, well, let's let's take a stab. And then what what we did was Carrie would write the first draft and then toss it to me and I would do a second draft. And then and really it was that. I think, I mean, a complete aside story that I think the trust, it was like a trust exercise with me and you because what, one of the things we didn't do is obsess about like, did Carrie delete something that I wrote? Right. Which I thought would That's be so a true. huge problem. Me like, too. oh my God, I love that. But actually there was so much trust in just like tossing it back and forth and just being like, I don't know, she probably did. You know, she probably did delete something that I thought was like the most golden, amazing thing, but I didn't notice. And if I didn't notice, you know, and the thing became like tighter, you know, so that process I thought was, I, I can't imagine writing a book by myself now because it was right. so nice to get a chapter from you and be able to react to it and put mine, my stuff on it and then toss it back to you and back and forth and back and forth. And um, it was more so relaxing I, for me doing that first draft because I knew that it, I, I didn't have to obsess over whether it was perfect right away because I had yeah. you backstopping me. So if I got to a place where I was like, I don't know, like, I don't know if this is going to work here or like whatever, I'll be like, whatever, just put something down and Demir will take a look at it later. Um, and yeah. I kind of thought initially that we would be somehow like in a room together, like a writer's room, just like <laughs> writing the book together. And that's absolutely not how it just, it just doesn't work with our, with our life. I mean, there's so few times in our schedule where we're both actually available at the same time, first of all, or in, this, in the right mindset to want to yes. write. So yes. I think it was great where, and it also gave us a little breaks where it was like, Okay, Demir's, you know, Demir's doing chapter two while I work on chapter four. And then, you know, he's going to go to chapter three and then that's going to, chapter two will go to the early access readers. So we constantly got breaks from those topics and we were able yeah. to bounce around and stay interested. 
Oh my goodness, it was, it was, it, it actually, now I know I'm seeing it through rose colored glasses because the process is over, but it really wasn't as intensive as I thought. We had budgeted, by the way, um, 10 hours each per week. So 20 hours per week was what we thought it would take. And it actually ended up being about half that. One year at five hours per week each. Uh, was what it actually ended up taking to write the fully edited book. We did sort of like a time breakdown, which I think is just a tremendous learning to be like, wow, a lot of the things, the big things you want to do in your life don't take as much time as you might think that they would take. It yeah, really oh, was absolutely. not as time intensive. No, definitely now, course, not. That's not including any of the marketing around that Carrie has put in innumerable hours, probably equal amount of hours probably <laughs> in, in the marketing and just like all the just small details and setups of just getting something onto the Amazon store. So I don't, I don't want you to think that's all inclusive, but just in terms of actually writing the thing, really right. not as hard as one thought. I was actually looking at the number of scripts we've written for YouTube, and it's certainly equivalent to about two or three books at this point. So, I mean, just writing the YouTube scripts, because each of those is like five pages long. So, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of the actual writing, that felt easier than I expected simply because we have had so much practice with the dozens and dozens of trainings we've done over the years and the videos and worksheets and all that stuff. We're, we're actually like pretty experienced writers, which is shocking to me. It's so weird the things you get good at, isn't it? Well, okay, yeah. why don't we do this, Carrie? Let's talk really quickly about the framework that people are gonna learn in this book because it really is devilishly simple. What I mean by devilishly simple is it's one of those things that we can just, we're gonna tell you right now, the five steps that we're gonna take you through. If you've ever been through our webinar, it's the same in the webinar. And if you've ever been part of Lifehack Tribe and you've actually come and join us in a Friday pre-planning session, it's the same that we teach in the Friday pre-planning. So then why write a book about it? Because the truth is, is that there are so many counterintuitive obstacles, truths, pitfalls, mindsets that block people that we really had an opportunity to finally dive in and say, hey, it sounds so easy. I'm gonna start with step zero, remove the resistance. It yeah. sounds so easy to say, remove the resistance that you feel to planning. It ain't that easy. Like, yeah, you, it's easy to say, really devilishly hard to do. So what does it mean, Carrie, to remove the, re the resistance? Well, removing the resistance around planning is just um, getting past that sort of anxiety provoking or like fight or flight response from your limbic brain that happens on like Monday morning or even Sunday night when you're dreading the upcoming week. Like that feeling, that sort of like unconscious feeling that happens where maybe even your stomach turns a little bit, that's that resistance to what's coming. And when you pre-plan, you really are squishing all of that anxiety into one moment. And so no wonder people don't want to do it. I mean, and that's just one reason people don't want to pre-plan. Like most, some people don't want to pre-plan because they think it doesn't work for them, yada, yada, yada. So like all of these considerations need to be addressed and you truly need yeah. to believe in your mind that it will work for you. Um, and then also create a positive experience around yes. pre-planning in order to remove that resistance. And you got to really break through, like, listen, as somebody who hated the gym and finally became addicted to going to the gym, it's very similar, right? I mean, I, I didn't like how it felt to go to the gym because I was overweight and it hurt my knees and like I was uncomfortable sweating and the positive chemicals weren't 
being reinforced yet. My body wasn't releasing all the positive uh, chemicals and the serotonin, oxytocin, all the amazing things that you feel when you work out. And so, you know, I hadn't created that positive cycle where the positives outweighed the negatives of going to the gym. And a planning habit is the same thing. You can get to a point where just like a gym rat, you are dying to get to the, to get to your pre-planning session. You will push an old lady out of your way to get to your pre-planning session. You are just a fanatic for pre-planning, but you do have to intentionally create that loop and we show you how to do that in that chapter of the book. So let's talk about a step, that's step zero. We call it step zero because you only have to do it once. Create a craving for your planning and then you don't ever have to do it again. Step one, this is something you do do every Friday, is learn a lesson. Talk to me yeah. about learning a lesson. Yeah, so learning a lesson is a reflection on your past week. This is again something that most people are not doing right now. They're just barging straight into the upcoming week and just moving all their to-do lists and everything. They're like, oh, I didn't get that done. All right, just gotta do it this coming week. Um, so this is a learning lesson is about thinking hard about how did last week go? Did I win the week? Did I land on my face last week, what's a lesson I can learn? Either something I can do better this coming week or something that I wanna keep on doing to make this week just as good as last week was. Um, so this is just five minutes. So fundamental, so easy and so fundamental. And it's just as simple as Carrie said, if you learned one powerful lesson every single week, and there is a powerful lesson to be learned every week of your life, and you integrated that into the following week, you'd compound and see a dramatic change in your life. And, and again, something people, if they do do a weekly pre-planning session, they don't do this. Carrie, talk yeah. to me about step two, which is choosing a leveraged priority. Okay, this is my favorite step because easily the biggest error that we see clients make is either choosing the wrong priority for their week or choosing a laundry list of equal priorities that they're like, well, I just have yeah, to get the all these things done. Yeah, it's like, I get it. It's like people feel like that they have to get everything done. And we address that in the book because the truth is when you approach your planning like that, it's gonna just spread your focus and dilute your focus so that maybe you make a little bit of progress on all of those goals, but you're not really taking any one of them across the finish yes. line. Yeah, and that's that's something that's, um, especially for really busy people, it's easy to do, right? Because life is just so busy. <laughs> There's so much that you do have to do. Um, so you really wanna be choosing your priority well. And we talk about in the book how to choose a priority that's actually leveraged, which means that's it's not just- That's what's critical, yeah. That's what's critical because it's not just important that you choose an important priority. It's important that you choose something that's leveraged, which means it helps you in your life get easier as time goes on. It makes your lifestyle Amen. feel more effortless as time goes on, not just like it's the same slog. Okay, so step three is interrogate your calendar. Tell me about interrogating your calendar and maybe how it's different from reviewing your calendar. Well, and so I love this, that we called it interrogate your calendar because we did actually used to call it calendar review. And we were noticing that people just like weren't doing it to the level that we wanted them to be doing it. So we were like, okay, how can we name this to more accurately describe what we're doing here? Um, and so you came up with this word interrogate. And I love this because you were like, yeah, it's like a lawyer interrogating a witness on the stand, like making him sweat. You know, I was like, yes, like, Every item in your calendar needs to be looked at with that eye, not just like glanced yeah. over and sort of reviewed like, oh yeah, I guess, you know, my daughter has a swim lesson today at 3, 2.30. It's like, like, well, does she really? 
Is that the most optimal time for that swim lesson? Do I need to budget time for travel before and after? When is she gonna have her snack and who's gonna prepare that? So like there's so much more that goes into interrogating your calendar than just a simple calendar review. Cool. Step four, ruthlessly triage your task list, right? I'll take this one really quick. Great. I mean, this is so simple. At the end of the day, there's always gonna be more than you can do. And so you need to actually let go of the fantasy of getting it all done and instead ask yourself, how can I do the most good with my limited supply of time, right? You know, so if, you're, if your calendar interrogation is about really getting radical ownership over your supply of time, this step is about understanding the demands on your time and sorting them and tackling them in a way that is really optimized for doing the most good because let's be honest, you're not gonna get it all done. Um, so that's, we, we actually in the book talk about our live or die task triage process where we step you through exactly the questions you need to be asking to do a really good triage of your task list. And then finally, step five is marry the two together. So you've trued up your time supply. You're in radical ownership of that. You're in radical ownership of your, the demands on your time. And now it's time to marry the two together. So talk to me about that. Yeah, this is, again, something that we hardly see anybody doing. Usually they just sort of hope that their to-do list will match what's on their calendar. And they're like, well, I just got to like pull a miracle. If I've got a lot of stuff to do, I just have to like work really hard to make it all happen. Um, but in this step, you just get honest about calendarizing, you know, your tasks and putting them directly onto your calendar, being like, well, do they fit? If they don't fit, then it's time to make those hard decisions about what's going to get done this week or what can get done later um, or possibly yeah. just doesn't happen at all. Um, so this is this is when your plan really becomes a plan, because once you've done this step, you're going to feel like a huge weight has been lifted from your shoulders, like you have a, a way to truly win your week and you can see it on your calendar. You can see how it's going to go down. And that mm. feeling is just such a relief. You know, when you've planned flex time for unexpected emergencies, you've planned time to get your number one priority done um, and have time for your family and do fun things in your week. And then all you have to do is almost like kick back into execution mode. I mean, what's we actually in the book step you through what we call the life hack calendarizing process, which again is a step-by-step -step process of how to construct your calendar for the week so that you know that you're going to have a winning week, which I, it's those, it's that kind of specificity because like right now we're just giving the generals. Here's right. a step. And frankly, even with that, you could take that and do so much better than 99% of people out there. But what we love about the book is it was an opportunity to get even more specific and even more explicit and say, do it exactly like this and you're going to get the best possible result. Um, what I think what I love about when you put it all together and you step away, Carrie, is this really is a book. This really is like a crushed diamond. This is about 10 years of coaching together with, you know, over 100,000 people on this process. I mean, we yeah. coach together with tens of thousands of people on this process. Um, and we've been able to take this and really crush it down into a diamond. And that's what feels so good about a book. And this is probably what I would share with people. You know, it sounds like a flex, but it's not. The reason we feel so good about the, this book is because we waited, right? Because we yeah. waited way after people said, you should write a book. But we we knew that if we'd written a book at that time, it would have been for us. Like, hey, let's right. write a book for us so that we can, whatever, get onto a bestseller list or whatever. And having waited nearly 10 years, 
it, it just feels so right because it feels like this topic was banging on our door like Demir Carey, this is so necessary. It's so needed. It's the culmination of the work of, that you've done with so many people. And so weirdly, like, I don't know what's going to happen with the book. We're recording this and it's going to be released a week before the book. So I have no idea how it's going to go, but I know I loved writing it. I know the topic, it almost felt like it wanted to be written, you know, yeah. and I feel so great about the treatment that we've given it. It feels like we've really been able to take something. Oh gosh, this now this really sounds like a flex, but it feels like this is going to be the definitive book on planning your week. Like it feels like we've written that book that is like, hey, if anybody is ever talking about this topic again in the future, they're going to be like, well, you've got to read Winning the Week because that is the take on like how to plan your week for success right. in the shortest, least stressful way possible. I mean, I hope so. That's sort of like the goal, right? That'd be awesome. I'm, on, I'm manifesting. Yes, Positive manifest. Manifesting. But also, <laughs> folks, order the book at winningtheweek.com because we need your support. That's going to help us get yeah. so, so, so far. Every little bit counts. And you mentioned that we're doing a promotion in order to, we, you got to also remember, this is our mission, not just our business. Like we want to create a generational change in productivity. So part of the reason that we're going to be running this 99 cent promotion on the ebook is we just want to get it out as, as to as many people as we possibly can and really get that spread. So please buy it as a gift. I mean, for 99 cents, heck, like, you know, get it for yourself, get it for some friends. Um, we're, we're asking for your support. We need your support. But also, you know, if there's only one thing that somebody you know can interact with us on, if there's only one thing that we will ever get a chance to teach your spouse or your business partner or a child of yours or a college kid, this would be the thing. So I will 100% put my uh, stamp of endorsement on like, hey, if if you've been wanting to introduce people to what we do in the world and push something forward, this is it. Yeah, and it's 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 head to tail covered. It's not just the planning process. We have an entire four additional chapters that cover the execution of that plan. So it's really not going to leave you hanging, right? Like our goal is for you to feel like you're very well equipped. Um, and then plus there's those additional online resources um, that I mentioned earlier. So yeah, folks, winningtheweek.com. Please share that link with as many people as possible. Uh, we just really appreciate your support. Let's wrap it up there, gang. Thank you so much for listening and watching if you're watching on YouTube. Again, Demir and Carrie Bentley from The Life Hack Method. Please check out our forthcoming book called Winning the Week. And you can check out more resources and sign up for the pre-sale and get your 99 cent copy at winningtheweek.com. Remember, it's only giving 99 cents, Carrie, for how long? Uh, through launch week, so for another couple of days. So don't wait on this. All right, thank you so much and have an incredible, incredible day. Mm -hmm.